Hello, you are listening to Good Poetry, the podcast about exactly that. My name is Andrew Coons, I am your host, and today I'm going to be reviewing a couple different poems from Mary Oliver's 2010 collection of poems and prose poems entitled Swan. Mary Oliver is one of those poets that even if you haven't read her work, you've read her work. Um, She is by far and away one of the great American poets. She's incredibly influential in her style and her voice, and really did a lot to define the face of modern poetry. In 1992, she won the National Book Award, and in 1984 won the Pulitzer Prize for her poetry. And I have to confess that while I've definitely read Mary Oliver in the past, I don't believe I'd ever sat down and completely read one of her books. And the other day, I was, um, to be honest, having not so good of a day. And I popped into a bookstore and was looking through the poetry section to try and get my mind off some stuff and saw the book Swan. And it just, it hit me that I had never read a full book of hers before, so I I bought the book and read it, and wow, I'm so glad I did. It's a really beautiful collection of work, and I wanted to pull out a couple different poems to share with you today and talk about. Before we do that, I want to uh, thank everyone who has supported uh, Good Poetry Podcast here after its first episode and some of the great uh, comments and, and thoughts that I've gotten from from listeners. I've got some really cool content planned for upcoming episodes, got some great interviews lined up, um, a couple events that I'm looking at going to and, and doing some reviews of poetry there. So really excited to see uh, where this journey takes all of us. The first poem that I want to review from Mary Oliver's book Swan is a poem called How Perfectly. And I'll go ahead and read that for you first before we get into it. How Perfectly by Mary Oliver. How perfectly and neatly opens the pink rose this bright morning. The sun warm on my shoulders, its heat on the opening petals. Possibly it is the smallest, the least important event at this moment in the whole world. Yet I stand there utterly happy. So it's a very short and to-the-point poem, which is something that I actually really appreciated about Mary Oliver's work all the way through the book. You know, one of the things that I think defines her work is the fact that there is a lot of depth and a lot of meaning to her poems, and yet they're not indecipherable, and they're easily accessible. I read a poem like How Perfectly, and without reading it a second time, I can definitely get something out of it. I can think, well, how lovely that was, and yes, it is, I relate to that. I've had that same sort of moment standing in nature, absorbing the sun, absorbing the sounds and the smells and the sights around me, feeling one with it. And so it's very relatable. And yet, like with any good poetry, there is, uh, I think, another layer to be, to be talked about. Throughout the entire book, uh, one of the themes that really jumped out to me was uh, the theme of significance. In Swan, Mary Oliver does a lot with talking about seemingly insignificant things that actually mean a lot or meant a lot to her. And I think How Perfectly is, very perfectly, the flagship poem of that theme. One of the lines near the middle and the end uh, says, Possibly it is the smallest, the least important event at this moment in the whole world. That's broken up into several different lines. Possibly, and then it is the smallest, 
the least important event at this moment in the whole world. And it's a very straightforward sentence. The way that she breaks it up is very interesting to me, uh, starting with just the word possibly at the, uh, actually at the end of a three-line stanza. And then the next three-line stanza beginning with, it is the smallest. Even though her punctuation is correct, if you were to write it all out as a sentence, there's no comma after possibly. Breaking it up that way definitely causes you as the reader to stop and go, let's think about this word for a moment. By stopping after the word possibly, to me, it evoked the sense of possibility. And it made me wonder what was coming next. And what's so interesting is that what comes next is her saying that this opening of the flower and the way the sun hits it is insignificant. So she constructs the stanzas in a way that brings significance to the line, and yet in the line she's saying that it's insignificant. And isn't that just kind of the way the world works? That the most insignificant things really have such great significance. But of course then she ends, uh, after saying it is the least important event at this moment in the whole world, with the last two lines of the poem, yet I stand there utterly happy. There's an interesting thing with this sentence. I feel like she could have just said, I stand there utterly happy. As a separate thought, it still would have wrapped the poem up, still would have had the same meaning. She added the word yet. And the word yet to me is interesting here because it could also very easily say, uh, in spite of this, in spite of the fact that I'm seeing such beauty and recognizing that in the grand scheme of the universe, it is somewhat insignificant and small and unimportant. Maybe to the grand scheme of the universe, there's insignificance, but to me personally, this is significant. Significance and value is determined by the one experiencing the moment. And that's a really beautiful thought. This idea that even though we as people on this spinning rock in the middle of a grand universe, any one of us could essentially disappear and perhaps not change the course of that spinning earth. Yet to us, to our loved ones, to our environment, we are incredibly significant. I think what she's doing here is getting you to focus your lens on the small and the micro to let go of the idea of how big and grand the universe is, big and grand the world is, big and grand nature is, and instead realize that in every tiny little moment there is beauty and there is significance. The second poem that I want to read uh, from her book is called I Own a House, and this is what's considered a prose poem, meaning that it's written out um, as if it was prose, uh, but still in the way it's constructed and, and the language used, it's considered poetry. I Own a House by Mary Oliver. I own a house, small but comfortable. In it is a bed, a desk, a kitchen, a closet, a telephone, and so forth. You know how it is, things collect. Outside, the summer clouds are drifting by, all of them with vague and beautiful faces, and there are the pines that bush out spicy and ambitious, although they do not even know their names. And there is the mockingbird. Over and over he rises from his thorn tree and dances. He actually dances in the air. And there are days I wish I own nothing, like the grass. 
I find it interesting. Um, this poem is actually made up of two paragraphs. The first one being the paragraph that talks about her house, and the second one being the, the paragraph that talks about nature. And she chose to end the paragraph that talks about her and her house and her belongings with the line, you know how it is, things collect. So that's really interesting to me because she talks about things collecting and then she launches directly into this list of different things that she sees in nature. And up until the very last line of the poem, I was actually thinking she's talking about the way that nature collects things, that nature collects animals and bushes and pine cones and birds. And you could even say the way nature collects beauty, the way nature collects moments of beauty, like the mockingbird dancing. And then she turns that on its head a little bit with the very last line, where she says, And there are days I wish I own nothing like the grass. So to me, it doesn't necessarily undercut the idea of collecting, of nature collecting all these different things and these beautiful moments, but there's no ownership to it. The grass doesn't own the mockingbird. The tree doesn't own its branches. Nature is a million, million different individual things with their own ownership of themselves together creating a beautiful scene. Yet we as humans are focused and obsessed with ownership. What do you have? What have you collected? What do you own? It's just a really good reminder that this world we live in, no one owns anything. It's all part of an ecosystem and a balance. I want to end with reading one more poem um, and leave uh, you with this and let the poem speak for itself. This is, uh, I guess, the second to last poem in the book. There's an afterword with a poem, um, but this is the last poem uh, before the afterword. And I love this poem. I, I think it's hysterical. I think it's smart and witty um, and at the same time very aware of itself and shows how Mary Oliver is aware of her of herself. And it's very fitting that it's the last poem of the book. It's called, The Poet is Told to Fill Up More Pages. The Poet is Told to Fill Up More Pages by Mary Oliver. But where are the words? Not in my pocket. Not in the refrigerator. Not in my savings account. So I sit harassed with my notebook. It's a joke, really, and not a good one. For fun, I try a few commands myself. I say to the rain, stop raining. I say to the sun that isn't anywhere nearby, come back and come fast. Nothing happens. So this is all I can give you. Not being the maker of what I do, but only the one that holds the pencil. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, Z, Make of it what you will. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to follow us on Instagram, the handle is Good Poetry Podcast. We're also on Facebook. And if you'd like to support us, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com slash goodpoetry. There's rewards for supporting at different levels, and there'll be some exclusive content headed that way as well. Until next time, happy reading, and we look forward to bringing you more good poetry. Thank you.